Welcome to the Lewis Mocker Snaps Audio Library. In these short lessons, you'll learn practical tools, philosophies, and strategies designed to help you empower every area of your life. Snap, good afternoon, what's going on? We're doing a little mini lesson today. Last night, I was up at the Sunshine Coast talking to my friends about property. And today, I got a question of the day come in. Here it is, we're gonna do a lesson. The question is, stocks or property? Should I invest in stocks or property? What's my preference? My preference is stocks. And here's why. First and foremost, stocks are liquid. If you've read lesson one of Infinite Prosperity, you'll know that liquidity is a big part of our message. If you want financial independence, if you want flexibility, if you want lifestyle, you go for liquidity. Liquidity is key. Secondly, capital growth. There is a lot of there's a lot of hocus pocus floating around about rumors about property that they doubles every seven to ten years. The numbers don't stack up, and you can prove it to yourself. Go and open an Excel spreadsheet. I'll show you how to do it. Here we go. This will blow your mind. You want to try this? You should check this out. If you're about to buy property, you want to do this. If you've got a friend or a family member about to do it because they think that the property is going to double every seven to ten years, you probably want to do this. 0.072 is 7.2 percent, right? 7.2% per year means your investment doubles every 10 years. That's the rule of 72. This particular mini lesson isn't the time or place. I'm going to go and explain that. If you don't, if you never heard of the rule of 72, Google it. 0.072. Now, watch this. Now, because we're doing reverse compounding, we're going back in time, we'll do equals 1 minus A1. So 1 minus that is 0.928. Every year, it'll go back in time 0.928. Here we go. Now you do the two do the two years manually first, and then when you, when you drag it out, see what's going to happen here. We're going to go back in time. Oh yeah, this will be good. This if you've never done this, you probably want to do this, eh, before you go and go and invest in some crazy things based on rumors. Now it is 2017, so I just typed in here 500 grand because we're going to analyze kind of like a $500,000 property, which is a reasonably priced property. So to get the value of it the year before, you just go down to this cell and type in that multiplied by that. Get it? Now, because we don't have time to do it manually, we're gonna drag this guy down. But to do that, what we're gonna to have to do firstly, this is kind of a little advanced step, you need to make it absolute. So you need to put the dollar signs here before the B and before the one. If you know Excel, you'll know what I'm talking about. You just kind of have to do that. Now, when we drag it down, here we go. We're just dragging it down. This, uh, what has this taken so far, 10 seconds? It takes 10 seconds to reverse calculate a rumor of growth, such as doubling every 10 years. Doubling every 10 years is 7.2% growth every year. This is what the numbers are. Anyone who's buying into these rumors and going and investing half a million dollars on, a, on these investments based on these rumors and they haven't at least done these numbers, they, they haven't turned the brain on for the day. They haven't thought about it. They haven't thought. They haven't used the brain. So here we go. Let's look at the numbers. Let's go. We're going back in time, going back in time. They're going back in time. There, let's just pick a number. 1930. Could you buy a house worth half a million today for 750 bucks in 1930? Very unlikely. How much were houses in 1930? What have we got here? The average new house costs $7,000. That's 10 times that. That's 10 times what the numbers say. It's meant to only be 700 bucks. What that shows me is that it hasn't grown 7%. Property has not grown 7.2% per year, meaning it has not doubled every seven to 10 years since 1930, because if it had, we could have bought a house there for 750 bucks. And then that would compound out to half a million dollars today. That simply isn't true. Golly gosh, if that were, if that were also true in 1907, we could have bought a house for 134 bones. Golly gosh, 134 bones. Now, here we go. Let's try this. Stocks. 
Here we go, little one called the Dow Jones Industrial Average. This is the chart since 1920. Let's look at the price. Price, what do we got? 21,797 uh, as of Friday. Cool. And I've done exactly the same here. I put the 21,797 in the top and I've just multiplied this down and I've sort of reverse engineered it, right? So we go down to, let's take some, let's take some samples. 1970, the stock market should have been around about 650 bucks. Let's take a look here. Here we go, 1970. So let's just trace this line up and see what we've got there. Right there is 1970. 670 bucks. That's pretty bloody close. Let's take a look at another one. 1950. The stock market should have been around about 145. Golly gosh, that is low. Nine, 1950. Where are we? This is obviously going to vary on what's happening in the market. But what are we? 192. Pretty close. Pretty bloody close. So... Even the values are nowhere near being true to the rumor. But the elephant in the room is that if you bought a house in 1920, it's a shitbox today. So even if the property did approximate a return of 7.2% per annum, which it doesn't, you can prove that to yourself. That's not just my opinion. You can prove it yourself. It takes 10 seconds. Even if, the, even if it did grow 7.2% per year, you've got to renovate the fucker. Because in 100 years, the roof caves in and the walls fall down and you've got the asbestos walls and the things need to be replaced and the woo-ha and the woo-woo. You've got to replace the whole damn thing. When you buy stocks, you've got a liquid investment growing every year. So you go and buy a house, it starts decaying. You've got entropy on the brick and mortar thing just sitting there in the sun. Do you go and buy into stocks? You go and buy a stock index fund with time diversification, with dollar cost averaging. You're buying into the most profitable companies on the planet. And if you go and do something like a S&P 500 index fund, you have Standard & Poor's filtering out these companies. And if they're too shit, they're not making enough money, they get booted out of the S&P 500. They get the, the new companies in, the up and coming companies that are more profitable, that are managed by brighter minds. It's neg entropy. For investing in human creativity and ingenuity and technology. And that's not slowing down. That's going to keep going. You're buying into neg entropy, which is more order. You're putting your money into more ordered systems as opposed to less ordered systems that decay in the sun. Stocks is my answer. Does that mean that you're never going to have a negative year, not going to have some rocky times in the stock market? Of course, that doesn't mean that. If you're looking for that, you're chasing a fantasy that can never be found. So you'll never invest because you're chasing a unicorn that doesn't exist. So why is it just to learn how to invest? Use time diversification. Learn to approximate the mean price of the market over time by using time diversification and dollar cost averaging. If you don't know how to do that, probably wise to learn how to do that. Become an infinite prosperity student. Then you can diversify your stock portfolio with fixed income bonds. You can do real estate investment trusts. You can begin to grow your wealth and grow your passive income without going and getting loans, mortgages, leverage, credit. You don't need to build wealth on leverage and credit. You can build with liquidity and savings. Start with your savings. You've got to keep liquid. You've got to keep liquid. You've got to keep nimble. If any of this was new to you, it's numbers and math. It shouldn't be new if you're investing. If this is new to you, please consider getting a Lifetime Infinite Prosperity membership. You, it'll change your life because everyone ought to know this stuff. And if any of your friends and family members are going into investments and you think that they maybe haven't done the numbers before, give them my Instagram thing so that they can go and watch this today. It'll be up for 24 hours, obviously. Give, the, give this to them so that they can watch it too. Instastuff, good morning, what's going on? A couple of follow-up questions came in from yesterday's property-related mini lesson. I'm going to address them now because they were pretty good questions. The first one came up with a number of times was leverage. Yeah, but property gives me leverage. I just get to put the deposit down. Put the 10% down, I get the 90% mortgage, and then I got the full thing, I control the full thing, and I get bigger returns. 
So my answer to that is, firstly, you can do that in stocks. You buy a freaking CFD. The interest rate on a CFD is cheaper. You get the same leverage, if not more, and it's still liquid. Leverage in stocks is a constant with leverage in property. The reason I didn't bring it up in the lesson yesterday is one, because it's a constant, it makes no difference. You can do it on both investment models. But two, why would you? I said at the end, why would you go and leverage yourself out when you're not there yet? I'm not anti-leverage. I'm a Forex trader. I trade 100 to 1 leverage. So your 10 to 1 leverage that you get with your mortgage on your home is child's play. But there's a time and place for leverage and most people do it too soon. Most people aren't ready for leverage. They got no savings. They got no income. This is what, this is how a lot of people go and build the wealth. This is the ground. This is their equity. They got a little pissant, little bit of savings put away, a little bit of liquidity. They, they go and sacrifice a lot of it to put into the deposit. Then they are controlling a value of this size through leverage. Their whole investment portfolio is balancing on this little point, this teetering on this little point. And look, when we're in a bull market, Fantastic, fantastic. You'll really grow wealth quite fast. You might even think that you're Midas and you might keep scaling in until you get yourself into the next pullback, the next recession. And then you start running fear and you have to watch the news every day thinking, oh my golly gosh, what's happening in the market? It's we're about to, the market's about to fall over and collapse and my, my everything's about to fucking fall over. That's investing for the masses, that's dumb. Here's how the masses invest. This is the ground, this is their cash and liquidity. Then they build an unleveraged investment portfolio on top of that, and then they get into their speculative dealings. Ideally, the whole thing's liquid, but if you are going to go into things like the real estate, that's up here. You wait for up here before you go and leverage yourself out. You wait until you have a big cash kitty, a big foundation of liquid investments in cash. So what happens when the next recession comes? Fantastic. Because the next follow-up question was, what if the stock market crashes? What if the stock market has another recession? And I, my answer to that is, it will. Every seven to 10 years on average, it will. And that's fantastic. If you're investing smart, they're the greatest opportunities. You get rich in those periods. If you're watching the news, watching, reading the newspapers, doing what normal people do, remember what I said, you don't do what normal people do unless you want normal fucking results, which is shit. Normal people freak out when there's a recession and their shit hits the fan because their pyramid's teetering on the point because the majority of people are credited up and leveraged out. But masterful investors are cashed up. They're cashed up. So when the market crashes, it's a fantastic opportunity. When everyone's losing their shirt, people with liquidity go in, sweep up, and get rich. And then for the people who say that, what about all the, the property moguls and all the property tycoons? You can absolutely make a killing in property. I'm not against real estate. I have real estate. What I'm saying that is, if you're going to buy single homes in suburbia, understand that, that that's an investment for the masses. You buying single house or two or three houses in suburbia, that's not how the, the tycoons are making their money, right? That's, uh, that's investment for the masses. And if you're going to do that, you may as well do stocks. Because like I said, stocks is neg entropy. Buying a house that was built once is decaying. It's entropy. Let me show you the, the world's rich list. You can see for yourself what makes more money. Oh, this is the latest Forbes world billionaire list. This is real time. I reckon it's real time. So what do we got? Bill Gates. Here we go. This is the list. Bill Gates. Business, 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 investing in business, 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 business. Basically all business and casinos until we get to real estate down at 24. Not bad, 24. But you know what? To get to 24 on the world rich list from real estate, you're not going and buying your single home in suburbia, right? If you really know what you're doing in property and you're a developer or you're a masterful renovator or you're doing things like what Grant Cardone does and buying up big apartment complexes that generate cash flow, that can be very smart investing. 
but you have to know what you're doing. You have to be, you have to have a mentor. You really have to know what you're doing. If you want to be a normal person and if you want to just have a family in a nice home in suburbia, if that's your dream, go and do it. Go and do it. Because I'm not against that either. Because going and, and, and investing all your life and making all this money, that's that's I mean, that's that's my value. That's what's important to me. But if the family in suburbia is important to you, you've got to go do that. What, what this lesson is for is people who think that if they go and buy the property in suburbia, that's the, that's the key to wealth. And that's the reason they're doing it. They think that that's going to make the, that's the wealth and the financial independence. That couldn't be any further from the truth. That's exactly opposite of the truth. That's what this lesson is for. I hope you enjoyed it. For more lessons like this, be sure to subscribe to my podcast. And if you prefer video tutorials, online courses, and even workshops, head over to my education portal at www.lewismocker.com and register for a free account. I really appreciate you listening to this brief lesson, and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode.